0: Our blessed Lord today tells the people who are gathered around the house that the girl is not dead, but asleep. It was a normal thing for people, interestingly enough, whenever someone had died, there were, there were professional mourners, essentially, who were in, uh, in the area. That whenever they would hear someone would die, then they'd kind of get the band together and they would go and, and, and play these songs, play these lamentations, and people would sing and weep as a kind of a communal expression. Of the people, you know, of the, of the sadness of death, and so this, you know, they, they hear about the girl, and just as the, you know, the the father had had the time to go to our Lord and to to invite him to come back to the house, so also, you know, the that other people in the town had heard what had happened, and the band gathers right, so the people gather around and they're they're singing their lamentations, and our Lord tells them that she's not she's not dead, she's asleep, and they laugh at him, they laugh him to scorn because. We all, I think, know the difference, at least I would hope, between sleep and death. I mean, if somebody is just not responding there for a moment, you don't just go ahead and start digging a hole in the backyard. That would be crazy. It's to understand that our Lord, however, is speaking in in these deeper terms where she doesn't sleep the final sleep, the final death, rather... It's a temporary thing, indeed. This is uh, this is a kind of symbolic of what is to happen to all of us on the last day. That it's been said by uh, by some great saints of the church, reflecting upon the moment of death, that the moment of death will, will pass as if we're kind of waking up from a dream, as if one hasn't realized that one has nodded off for a bit there in the chair and, and you kind of perk back up. You don't realize that half an hour has gone by, type of thing except it will be a simple transition from, from this life to the next, that one's eyes will blink, and then whenever they open, there will be the face of God, either to our joy or to our shame. And it's this that the Lord would encourage us particularly to reflect upon, is what is the disposition of our soul? If we were to blink in this moment and to open our eyes before the good Lord, would it be to our delight? Or would it be to our fear? Will we rejoice to see him, or will we shrink back in terror, acknowledging our sin? It's an invitation for us to reflect upon this and to find encouragement, specifically in this, uh, this November the time of the year when Mother Church often gives to us these, these encouragements to reflect upon the last things of death and judgment and heaven and hell, and to be able, in light of them, to instruct ourselves of where we are today because if we reflect upon them and we find that we are not uh, not in the course of the uh, the course that we desire to be not further along on the path that we might desire to be then it's an opportunity for us to take advantage of the day and to bring renewal to seek our lord who can revive us who can bring us to new life in the spiritual life it's an easy thing for us to not be necessarily dead, as we might understand being in grave sin, but it is a very common thing and an easy thing to become asleep in the spiritual life, to be asleep in the sense that we've become rather lukewarm, that we're not on fire blazing with the love of Christ, the love of charity of our Lord, that the things that we do in the past that have been done with great fervor or with great kindness or great intention perhaps simply become... Rhythm, routine, normalcy, external gestures that at one point they meant a great deal to us but now perhaps have kind of, this is just what we do, it's what we respond, it's the words we say, it's the thing that we do because when prompted, we Catholics are really good at making a response, is to ensure that we don't simply allow that to remain the case with our soul. Not to allow the the state of our soul to be lulled to sleep by the things of the world, not to be lulled to sleep by a willingness to set prayer aside so as to be busy about the things of the life around us, not to be asleep by hearing the Word of God but becoming deaf to it by simply dismissing it in some manner as, oh yes, I've heard this before but not allowing it to be spoken to our hearts with the richness which it requires. To not allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep in the Spirit by receiving Holy Communion unworthily in a manner not, not of receiving it in grave sin, but of receiving it with a, a lack of attention paid to who it is that we receive and what it is that it is doing to our interior life. is to ensure that we are attentive to these things, that we understand why we do what we do, for whom we do the things that we do, and by whose grace we are able to do them. It's to be mindful of the good Lord, in short, and the things that we do to live our faith. And not to be caught up in, again, the worldly thing, there's a worldly view of things, a worldly assessment of things, but to seek and to strive to view all things with that heavenly vision which St. Paul exhorts us today. Again, it is imperative that we remember why we do the things we do and continue to be attentive to it. Of course we can go with many things and you know even in the liturgy itself sadly there are moments where things that are done throughout the liturgy little gestures here and there can be done and you know why do you why do you do it that way it's the way the book tells me to do it. Okay there's merit in obedience right but there is something much more that should be at stake there that each of the gestures of the sacred liturgy has a spiritual meaning, has a spiritual significance to us. And if we simply allow them to become exterior observations, where we simply do it because that's what the book says to do, if we pray these prayers because that's what the book says to pray, to make these, to respond with these words because that's what the book says to do, then we may well be missing the most important piece, which is the orientation of our hearts and minds to those gestures, to those words is to ensure that we remember these things and be attentive to them. And so, five simple ways that I would suggest for us to do this, to be revived in spirit, if indeed we found that we may have fallen asleep a bit spiritually. First, is to ask for the grace. We can't get what we can't ask for. In so many ways, very often the Lord desires to give us a particular gift or grace. Grace but he's just waiting for us to ask for it. He's waiting for us to turn to him and to seek what, what is missing, rather than to try to provide for it, uh, provide it for ourselves. Instead to look to him and to cry out to him in faith and in trust. And this act of faith, this act of trust, just like the act of faith of the woman in the gospel as well as the, as well as the man who comes to, to request healing and resurrection for his daughter. In living that faith and asking for the grace, The Lord is able to respond and bring renewal to us. So, if we have grown lukewarm, pray the Lord to make us hot or cold as we ought to be, not somewhere in the middle. There's also to do things a bit differently, perhaps. Not that we just change things just for the sake of changing things, but if we are caught in a rhythm or routine wherein we just kind of keep the same action, same gestures. We make the same prayers, and if they lose their efficacy, if they lose their, their, their forcefulness, if we lose our fervor in praying them, then perhaps we can simply just shake things up a bit. To pray a different prayer, to pray in a different place, to respond in a different manner, different bodily gestures, to be able to, to you know, if we, if we pray typically, you know, seated in a nice comfy chair, about kneel for a while. If one comes into the church or in a chapel, you know, might as well lay prostrate on the floor before the good Lord sometime. These things that, that, that change things for us, and they give us a different perspective to be able to contemplate the good Lord so as not to lull ourselves to sleep. We all know that if we are tired but we keep moving, it's hard to fall asleep. That's one of my tricks that I discovered in the seminary, that there were times where I would go to the chapel at night because you know, I was you know, a night owl, so I claimed that, I could, that my holy hours would be more fruitful at night. That was wrong. Anyways, that I would go in the chapel and I would, I would often bring my books and, you know, and I would say, that I would lay down, and I, would, I wouldn't lay down, I promise. Um, I'd go in the chapel and, and I would lay my head on the, on the pew in front of me and I'd be leaning down forward, you know, praying, trying to contemplate the scriptures. And then I'd wake up two hours later, my entire upper body was on fire because it was put full force, just being muscles being stretched all over the place because I had simply fallen asleep. But I found that, If I go and just walk around the side of the church, if I just walk back and forth, praying my breviary, praying my scriptures, praying my rosary, whatever, back and forth, I didn't fall asleep if I was walking. At least I don't remember it. And so sometimes it's simply keeping ourselves moving is a way to kind of wake ourselves up. And so spiritually the same. If we if we do something different, go to a new place, take up a new prayer, take up a different devotion, it doesn't have to be a a total change of of gears but just a little something that, that kind of wakes us up a bit. It can be helpful. Also as well, to be able to be intentional about the things that we do. I remember one of the retreats that I went on uh, for our, our clergy for the diocese. One of the, one of the preachers for the retreats, he encouraged us one, at least one time a week or one time a month, whatever we can muster, to do everything that day at half speed because very often our culture wants us to do it at double speed. We want to speed things up and go even faster to get more stuff done, to get everything, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry. But he encouraged us to take things at half speed. Please don't take that seriously on the interstate. But in the spiritual life and in the things of our daily journey and the things of our daily, you know, living at home and cleaning things in the house, taking care of the yard, doing whatever it is that's asked of us by the good Lord, To be able to do it slower is simply to be more intentional about what is happening, to be attentive to what we are doing, to how well we are doing it, to be intentional about about not just getting things done, but getting them done in a way that orients us to God, that orients our hearts to prayer. And so it is for us sometimes to be able to do things a bit slower in the sense of forcing ourselves to make the time to reflect upon what is it that I'm saying? I think it's a good and holy thing to pray the rosary every single day. But sometimes it's helpful for us to slow things down a bit and not simply kind of fire through the rosary in the horse race pattern that sometimes we can fall into, but rather to pray the Hail Mary slowly, to pray the Our Father slowly, and to be intentional about the words, not to try to get it all in in one breath or two, but to take a good long time to allow the words to sink into our hearts. Being intentional about what we do, specifically in our prayer, in our service and charity to others, is a fantastic way for us to enliven our souls, to wake our soul up a bit. And lastly, two things that I'd nearly encourage uh, continuously, it seems, is first, to imitate the saints. We hear that in St. Paul today, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So indeed, for us to to look to the saints, to imitate them, because they are examples for us, because they too have lived a life like we have lived. They too have had normalcy and just the the daily grind, and yet they continue to, to be purified and perfected by the grace of the Lord. And so, it's good for us to look to the saints, to imitate the saints, which is simply to say that we should read the lives of the saints and the writings of the saints. These words that, that are, are captured on pages and countless, we will never be able to read the end of them by the, by the end of our earthly life. If we read even every single day the lives of the saints, there's so much that can be said and has been written and that it is for our encouragement, for strengthening, not to be discouraged by the saints as some may, may experience from time to time, as if we set them so high on the pedestal that we can't, uh, can't have any hope of reaching them, but to look to the saints and to see what incredible things are able to be done by a human person when open up to the grace of God. And though we might not have the same experiences of particular saints, it is to know that God can still do incredible things even through us, regardless of our age. There are countless stories of the lives of the saints that we think of that really had their life together and had made a profound impact upon the world, and they didn't actually start doing that thing until they were in their 40s, 50s, or 60s. Profound effect had upon the life of the the world. Think of St. Teresa of Avila, who was in the convent for, you know, 16 years or something to that effect before she caught fire with the love of God. She's a doctor of the church. There's always hope for us in these things, but it's to continue to look to the saints to be a strength and encouragement to us. And lastly, the fifth point is to read the Word of God, because the saints, their lives are encouragement to us, but the scriptures are living and effective. They have the power to pierce our hearts, to separate bone and marrow, the scriptures remind us of themselves. They are power. They are immense power. They are the Word of God written down for us so that the Lord God can continue to speak to us. If we struggle to know what is, the, what is the Lord saying, if we struggle to understand what is God speaking to me, a fantastic place is simply to open the Scriptures. And we may not feel that it necessarily applies, but it doesn't change the fact that the Lord is speaking to us through them. And so it's for us to have a closeness to the Word of God regularly, daily if possible, having recourse to the sacred scriptures, to allow the Lord to speak to us, to wake us from our slumber, to rouse us from our sleep, and to be able to call us to the life which he has given us and continues to pour out to us by the grace of the Holy Eucharist offered today.